0: Welcome to Where With Seppet. Each week, I chat to amazing graduates from a range of backgrounds to help young professionals like yourselves take the guesswork out of making those all-important decisions at the beginning of your careers. To keep up to date with our episodes, you can follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. And to find my episode reflections and find more resources, you can also check out our website at wherewithsep.com. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're lucky to be joined by Lauren, who's a graduate analyst at the Commonwealth Treasury in Canberra, which for those of you who don't know, is the federal government's lead economic advisor, providing advice on implementing policies and programs that aim to uh, achieve better outcomes for Australian people. She's been working there for just over a year now, but before this, she graduated from the University of Melbourne with a Bachelor of Arts in Economic and History, uh, Economics and History, sorry. And during her time at university, she interned at the Parliament of Victoria, and also worked in research operations at brand and communications advisory firm, Forethought. She was also a VP of consulting at Business One and was also a chief editor of the Melbourne Undergraduate History Journal. Outside of work, Lauren likes hiking and also joined a band in Canberra and also likes solving Rubik's cubes, which apparently is what people in Canberra like doing. So that really says a lot about that city. Um, but in any case, uh, we're really, really lucky to have you, Lauren, and I can't wait to have a chat.
1: Yeah, thanks, pair. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Cool. So the way we're going to do this uh, is pretty standard co- compared to the other conversations is we're going to start by talking about um, your time at uni and mm-hmm. then applying for your roles. And the second part will be about you actually working in policy, uh, working your current role. And then the third section will be about uh, kind of any future plans that you have and also any reflections that you might have about uh, your short career thus far. Okay. Cool. So I'm going to ask a pretty weird question as a first one, but I think it's <laughs> pretty revealing. Um, what did you want to become as a kid?
1: Um, As a kid. Okay. So, I mean, like when I was younger, you know, you, you go through all the classic stages of, oh, I want to be an astronaut. Okay. And then like, oh, I want to be, I don't know, um, a teacher or something like all, the, all those. I think like the first, like, Um, like well thought out career path that I had, um, was as a history teacher. Cause, um, basically from like year, year seven, year eight, I became really, really, um, fascinated by history. And that was just something that I always wanted to do. Um, and you know, you don't really see that many like feasible careers about history, um, or media stuff. So like as a kid, you know, your only exposure will be, oh, you know, I see my history teacher like, in school, like, every mm-hmm. day. So, you know, you know that history, history teacher is a viable career. So that was, like, what I it on for, like, a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like, when I, like, started, like, my final few years of high school, it was still very much centered around, I want to do history. I want to study history. And then I want to mm-hmm. have a teaching degree and become a history teacher. And actually, mm-hmm. like, when yeah. I did my, um, when I was doing my VTAC preferences for, like, culture for uni, um, like Melbourne Uni had this like graduate degree package thing um that mm. they were doing. Um, where basically if you get like the ATAR then you can get a guaranteed like entry into like um so, like some of the master's degrees. Um after you do like your bachelor's. So what I applied mm-hmm. for was um bachelor of arts and then like guaranteed entry into Master of Teaching. So mm-hmm. that was basically what I was working towards was basically from like year seven all the way until like end of year twelve. I was like, Yes, I want to be a history teacher. And now I've gotten my course, I've gone into the course that gets me, you know, to a master of teaching. So it's all working out. Um, so yeah, it was all it was always history teacher for a very long time. And then after I entered uni, um, and then like studying history and I also like studied a bunch of other courses and realized, oh, there's like other options aside from teaching. Um, so yeah, that kind of opened my eyes to other options. But yeah, like basically from yes, I mean it was history teacher all the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned like you were fascinated by history because there is quite literally no phrase I can relate to less. I mean in year oh seven God. or eight. Um I think I think probably a lot of people share that sentiment as well. There was nothing I could wait uh, oh. more to do, less of than history. I know. Like entering year, year nine and ten, I was out. like, yep. Yeah. It was it was horrific. Um, but anyway, I'm I'm glad you found it interesting. I'm sure that'll be I don't know. Maybe if you're a high school teacher, which will never listen to this, but if they ever did hear that, they'll probably be I also very, very happy.
1: High school teacher, actually, I'm still in touch with yeah. her. Yeah. yeah, just, just Shout clip out.
0: it. Just clip the ten seconds where you said that you're yeah. fascinated and you're by history. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I think you kind of partially answered my question um, with that elaborate the kind of description of like where you started and then how that kind of progressed, especially high school, which is a really early stage to be thinking about your career. Anyway. I think I probably went through like six different careers in, in just like my first two years of high school. But um did you so I was gonna ask you so what made you like decide um or choose the kind of uh degree that you wanted to do? So you majored in Echo and History. Did you always know that you wanted to study? I mean, you kind of probably knew that you just wanted to study history. What about Echo and like why, for example, did you not do like a Bachelor of Commerce instead?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely knew like from like very early on, I was in Um and like, to me, it wasn't like, it wasn't a matter of like, if I study history, it was just, what would I study history with? Cause I know that you yeah. could, like your do double degree or like a single degree, but a double major. So to me, like all throughout high school and it also like first like year of uni was just trying to figure out what that other, like other section of my degree was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um so I just ended up, like, I settled on just, like, a Bachelor of Arts at Melbourne because that was what I wanted to do. Um, and I know history was going to be one major. And then initially when I, like, first, like, put in, like, declared my major in first year, um, I actually did history and, uh, I think, politics international relations.
0: relations. Um, yeah.
1: Because I did a lot politics in BC um, and I really yeah. liked it. I didn't do any economics in high school um like my school like made us all do like one semester of economics in like year 10 and i hated it um and i don't remember (laughs) like i thought economics was like like accounting and fine and stuff i thought that was like all the same um so yeah like i didn't um like i wasn't planning on doing economics but then like when i entered uni like um if you want to study like politics and also like history as well like there's so much crossover with economics, um, you know, there's, there's economic history, that's like a whole like field on its own. And like when I was studying politics, I feel a lot of the times you have to be like familiar with like these economic terms, for example, like, you know, like, like Keynesian economics, Austrian economics, like, that's something that c- pops up quite a lot in um, yep. political science. So I was like coming across all these terms and going, I don't understand what the hell is going on. Like, I don't even know how money works. I don't know why I can't they like, just print more money. So mm. I just, I ended up like doing, um, intro micro at Melbourne uni, um, just to kind of like familiarize myself with like economics concepts I kept coming across and then I actually really liked it. So then, um, so then in second semester, I also did intro macro, um, and quantitative methods one, which is like basically all the first economic subjects. Yep. So then I basically did first year economics one first year um, without intending to major in it. And then what. So what um, I found out in first year, which made me not want to pursue politics anymore, was I realized that the arts majors, especially the way that university teaches it, it doesn't really matter which major you pick um, because all the arts majors are not very technical. Um, but they're not very technical, like content, uh, content wise. So, like you know, you could do a history major and do completely different subjects to someone else who also did their did history major um, and learn completely different content. And it doesn't matter because most of the things that you learn in an arts degree is soft skills, like research skills, critical thinking, like how to write like a research essay, that sort of stuff. And you can learn <laughs> that through any major. So there was really no point in me doing a politics major and a history major when I was just learning the same like, same thing skills-wise. So I just wanted to do something that was, that was different. It would give me a different sort of set. Um, and in arts really the only other four majors would be like economics and psychology. And I wasn't interested in psychology, but that's the entire set of economics. Like, um, and I ended up really liking it. So I stuck with it.
0: Yeah. Does it ever like, uh, Did it ever scare you that you probably were like one or two subjects away from not finding something that you were truly passionate about? Because, uh, you said in high school that, you know, you hated economics, right? And like, for example, there are many, many areas of like careers where I have made a very quick judgment that I hate it based off like literally, I don't know, like a five minute video. Do you ever think about how you might've like missed out on such a big opportunity? Um, if you didn't, for example, try out those subjects?
1: Yeah I think like honestly I still think about like how I ended up in economics and think that it was like such a big coincidence that like all the pieces kind of just like fell in the right places for me to end up here. Even like even in uni when I was majoring in economics I didn't think I would end up working in economics. I thought mm. it was um ultra uni economics to me was kind of like a secondary kind of um field of studies to me that would complement my history major. I never thought it like in in the end like my field of work would be you know economics being the main field of work and history being the one that complements it like i would have never imagined this was how it was going to turn out so yeah it Mm. it is really quite crazy how like you know like you could do something and absolutely hate it and then like three years later do it again and find out you actually love it um Yeah. yeah i think like it is important to you know always like keep an open mind all that sort of stuff and like um you know apply on new things if you do get a chance to
0: yeah yeah definitely and i think like your example is a really good example of where a lot of people talk about how for example between high school and uni like economics is completely different in fact i'll be honest with you a lot of people are talking about it being for the worst because high school economics is usually quite um you know essay based it's 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 quite theoretical i mean sorry it's always theoretical but um, in uni, it's much more mathematical. It's much more rigorous and some people hate that. And then I would also say that even between uni and the workplace, and maybe you can um, confirm this for me later on, you know, you, it, there's also a huge difference, right? You might find economics in the, uh, at uni be really ther- theoretical, but there are a lot of economic roles which are also really robust and tangible in terms of the, not only the work that you're doing, but the impact you create as well. Um, and so do you have a tip in terms of, or not even a tip, just based off your experience, I think something that people could really benefit from, regardless of what background they're from, is how do you keep an open mind when you are thinking about what you want to do? Because you sounded really set on becoming a history teacher, right? You said that throughout the whole of high school, that's what you wanted to do. Then you decided to major in history and economics was just kind of a secondary thing. How did you become enticed to do that? Or how did you keep an open mind, even though you had your eyes so set on one particular path? Um,
1: I'll say like just... From my own experience with like being so set on history i think like um like even though i was really set on becoming a history teacher i was also really keen on you know like i realized that if you want to become a teacher um for example or just any sort of career you can't just only get your experience from things that were directly re- relevant to that career first of all because i think like for example as a teacher um you can't really get very relevant experience uh, as a, like a third-year uni student maybe you could do tutoring or something but that's not hmm. very that's not the same as you know teaching a whole class like you have to get your experience from elsewhere and then a lot of it wouldn't be directly relevant but then like you know having that like breadth of experience is what makes you um, like do your job better and makes you like have a more holistic understanding of like whatever field you end up working in um, and I'm sure that's like that's the thing for teaching and like saying for like a lot of other careers as well like like, you can't just be like, you know, like, so um bogged down on the one career path that you, like, you think uh, you're going to work in and yeah. not try it, like other things and see like exactly how those yeah. other careers, like, you know, um like um have an impact on yours or like how they relate to yours. um Because like all yeah. the, a lot of these things are like, you know, like they, they relate to each other. So like when I was, um you know, focused on becoming a history teacher, I volunteered at a history museum. And then when I was volunteering at History Museum, you know, um, I was, like, leading kids through, like, exhibitions and stuff, which kind of helps with the history teaching part. But then also through that, I was, you know, like, doing research on, like, historical artifacts, um, like, helping with the curator and doing some assistant curating. um, And then even, like, helping out with, like, the museum, like, marketing, like, um, like, marketing effort. So all of these, like, you know, they're all different, like, they're all different experiences, but they do help. In reaching whatever your goal is, and through that you could end up like experiencing, like, like, like learning like new things and realizing, oh, actually, you know, I, you know, much more enjoy like researching rather than teaching, or I much more enjoy like, like doing like the operational side rather than like, um, whatever like research. Um. So yeah, like you know, getting a bit of experience that could be like relevant to your career, but also could apply elsewhere.
0: Mm Hmm. I think that's an awesome point because um, like when people are so set on one career, which um, I, I'd probably note, and maybe you would agree with me here, if you're a first or second year at uni and you really want to do something, that's probably v- a very uninformed certainty. Like I think that you you probably make that decision based off just sources, which are either don't have your best interest in mind or don't really care about your best interest in the first place. Um, I think that like you, the, the way you talk about kind of just just not even pursuing like another area, but just like being interested in another area in the best case can mean that you find something that you're even more passionate about. But even in the worst case, you're still finding something out that like helps you uh, in your particular career path. And you talk about, for example, economics and history, like a really good other example, in my opinion, might be something like, um, I don't know, maybe math and uh, economics, right? Like, you you know, math gives you a really logical way of thinking that maybe um, especially some less uh mathematically rigorous courses give you. And so I think like that's another good example. But that's a really, really good example and a, a really good point that you make. So um yeah, it's really good to hear that kind of worked out for you. Um and then you so you, you kind of obviously were became a little bit more interested in economics um throughout your degree uh, and you interned in Parliament. So what was that like? Um and Yeah. Did that, along with perhaps any other of your uni experience, including when you were at uni clubs or meeting other people, how did that inform kind of what you wanted to, uh, or what you were thinking about doing with your career?
1: Oh, so it's interesting you bring up my um, experience in parliament. Um, That was like the internship itself. um, I honestly... Um, so I, I can say this now because I don't work in parliament. I work in yeah. public service. I honestly, um, didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Um, mm. and that was the huge, I mean, like I studied politics in high school and I studied, um, I was well back then I was majoring in politics at uni. So I thought mm. this was, you know, like, this is like right up my alley. I'm going to love this. And like, I'm going to like pursue it as a career later on. Um, and then like basically from day one, I was really really disillusioned by how like political it was which sounds like you know dumb because it, was, yeah. um, it wasn't supposed to be false um but it was basically like basically a the work that i was doing and my internship was actually cut short because um it was like basically just like as like about like two weeks after i started covid like lockdowns happened and um, then my internship was cut short but um like the from the like you know the short like three weeks that i was there um I decided to be very, like, you know, we're not here to exactly, like, do what's best for the community. We're here to uh, make sure that we look like we're doing the best for the community in order to get the vote. Um, and oh. I really did not enjoy that part um, of the work. Um, and I honestly found the whole process to be, um, to, to be like, to be very scripted um, and very, like, uh, very, like, manufactured, like, the facade that every uh, everything was going on in Parliament. Um, yeah. So, I really did enjoy it. And that was what made me realize okay, quality is what something I want to do. Um, but even then, like looking back now on it, um, I thought, like, even though that experience made me realize, okay, this is something I don't want to do, I still got from the out of it. Like, that's I realized that, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do this career. And it's a good thing that I discovered it while on like a short internship instead of like, imagine if like, yeah, that was like, like, gradual, and I went into it. And then, and then I realized I don't like it. Um, and then the other thing is even though the experience itself I didn't necessarily enjoy, um, like now like working in like something more apolitical in the public service, like that's something like that experience still gave me like gave me a lot of um, you know, insights into how government works, um, how the government um and how its ministers work with the public service, which has to be like more apolitical. Um so yeah, it really gives you like um good context, um, that You know, like going back to our previous point, it might not be something that directly helps your career, but it does help it in the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like a lot of people, they they do an internship or, you know, they join a uni club or they do something and it's not exactly what they hoped it would be. And they always think that like it's a waste of time or they think that like it's a horrible. And I'm just like, you should be really glad that you did that over only over like three months. Exactly what you said, right? Because there are a lot of people who do this for literally three to five years and they're locked in. And then they can't even move jobs because now they have the wrong kind of experience to make like a lateral transition. They have all kinds of financial commitments they can't handle. So yeah, really, really good point. And I think um, hopefully that inspires some people to also think about, you know, like if I want to try something out, try it out during uni. There's a lot of internship programs, a lot of part-time programs, a lot of uni clubs, a lot of other opportunities. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Really, really cool. And then, so you, you kind of talked about this leading you away from politics, you know, you didn't like it for being slightly too bureaucratic, uh, too much red tape. And then, so what, how did you find out about the role of the treasury? Um, and what made you, were you thinking about like this line of work in general? Like, were you applying for similar roles to this or was it just the treasury that you wanted to work at?
1: Um, yeah. So when I, so I applied for treasury in (sighs) like February of my final year, so like, Just before we started final uni, Um, and at that point, I had just finished um, another summer internship in a completely different field. I was working, Mm -hmm. I was doing a summer internship uh, at a SMCG company um, um, on their marketing teams on on like brand management, um, and actually got a great offer to that one. and like stamps and I thought oh this is sweet and I really like marketing um it was completely different to what I studied um and like everything I thought I'd be like doing but I really liked it I liked how creative it was um and I thought I am gonna settle on that career path um but then like when and then when ground applications started happening for all these um different firms and like companies um, I thought okay I'm not gonna apply for anything because you know I've already got like Back then, I thought that was my dream job. I, I've got I've got my dream job. I've got the offer for it. Um, it's going to start next year. I don't have to worry about, like, applying anymore. I be just, you know, enjoy my final year of uni. Um, mm-hmm. But then I, like, um, I was just, like, browsing through, like, I think, uh, like, I think it was were Whirlpool, um, and I found out that, like, the Treasury um, had, like, a grant program, which I didn't even know existed because unlike a lot of other, like, um, government departments and other firms who, like, like really sell themselves at like unique career fairs and stuff. I never seen the treasury. So I didn't even know they had a grad program. Um, so I saw the treasury had a grad program. I thought, Oh, I'm going to really hate myself if I don't apply for this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I ended up applying for, um, so I, so there's the treasury grad program. And then there's also an AP, um, APS, um, Australian public service wide grad program. Um, and then for that one, you apply to it and then they like once you and they you pass, then like they allocate you to um to a department and you don't really get a choice in that. Or like um back when I applied it, you didn't get a choice. I think now they give you preferences. Um mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, like, you know, I, I really like this marketing job. Um I know that, you know, I will like it if I worked in it, but I really wanna see like, you know, Um, if I, if it is possible for me to get into, um, like a job that's directly relevant to what I studied, um, in government, uh, in in public service. Um, so yeah, I applied for it and that was basically, those two were the only two that I applied for. Um, and then, and then funnily enough, Treasury actually rejected me at the application stage. Um, and then I remember getting the, like the rejection letter, like literally, I think like two weeks after I applied, I was thinking, oh, well, there we go. No more Treasury for me. Guess I'm going to my thing. but then I ended up getting through through the Australian Public Service um, grad program, um, String, uh, which was the economist String. And then I ended up getting through like the application just for that one. And then at the end of it, they, they put me back in the treasury anyway. So I was like, oh,
0: sweet. <laughs>
1: really enough yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was really lucky because I think if they had put me in any other agency, I would it have taken the offer? I would have still went for the marketing job, but because like hmm. I wanted and then they ended up like me. So I was like, yes, um, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to take the marketing job. I'm going to take the treasury.
0: Yeah. Damn. Damn. Well, we all worked we'll work out in the end. Um, <laughs> so you talk about, um, you said that that marketing job at the time, you said that, you know, you thought that was kind of your dream job. Um, mm-hmm. You really wanted to do it. And I think like that's a problem a lot of people face because in the moment they, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but do you think it was, uh, do you think like it was at all like, a lot of the time it's prestige, it's security, it's all of those like um, shiny things that one of those, like a lot of jobs like that have, that kind of might've led you to think that, oh, this is my dream job. Like, this is what I want to do. Even though there was actually something out there that you liked even more. Um, yeah. Do do you think that, do you think that that was all oh, like, um, Kind of. How did you realize that that wasn't the case?
1: Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, like even now, sometimes I I still really like doing like a lot of like really creative things. Um, yeah. at Treasury. Um, like when it comes to like sometimes we get like, I guess like extra perkier um, um uh, like, um opportunities at Treasury. I still like doing those more like creative sides. To me, it was like you know like when you're working like. Like, with like the big corporation, and you get like the big fancy glass buildings, and you know, like mm. really good, like, with like, corporate benefits, and all of that. And, um, and that is definitely very tempting. Like, when you're working the public service, you know, like, if you ever go for a team lunch, you'll like, even if it's a Christmas dinner, like, everyone's paying for their because they can't just like
0: mm.
1: money for that. Um, yeah, good, yeah. very good, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so, um. Like, you know, those things are definitely tempting. But for me, like, I mean, uh, like, for me, like, go, like, I guess, like, between like marketing and public service, to me, it there really wasn't like much of like, I guess, like, difference in like prestige or like money or that sort of stuff. Both of the grad pays were quite similar. Um, and then, you know, and then both of those jobs actually required me to relocate be because okay I was based in Melbourne at the time. The marketing job was in Sydney, the um, public service job was in Canberra. Uh, mm. So, like, to me, like, there wasn't really that big of a difference. Um, like, the only difference was, like, the type of job that I was doing. That was basically the only thing I was thinking about in terms of, like, the type of job, whether I would like it, and also, like, future career growth as well. Um, and one thing that I was thinking about was if I don't like the public service and I want to go back to marketing, it would probably be easier than if I didn't like marketing and want to go mm. up. Uh, economic policy like that that transition will probably be a lot harder the other way around
0: definitely definitely cool um and then let's move on to the next section because i want to ask something uh, which furthers kind of our discussion about um you know you entering that role so let's talk about the application process you are a third year and you weren't doing honors and a lot of the people i'd imagine that you work with not only have honors they probably have PhDs or masters or a lot of industry experience. So not only what was that like, uh, well, actually, no, I'm, I'm mainly concerned how, what was that like, um, both applying and then also starting the role against people who are ridiculously qualified.
1: Yeah. So when I apply, like during the final stage, the final stage was a panel interview with, um, like five people who were all like very senior in the public service as through them were from treasury. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the interview questions they asked me was, oh, can you talk about like any economic research that you have done? And <laughs> then I just paused for a second. I just paused for a second to move to my interview and, I, and like, cause that was just something I did not prepare for at all. You know, I was prepared for like, for them to ask the policy questions and then like, mm-hmm. maybe a paper question. And they like, talk about your economic research. I just went like uh I don't have like much experience with research and I thought okay i probably shouldn't have answered like that um so then I ended up talking about like you know um I don't have much like experience doing like honors or like master's level research but um from like my current degree um I've done like you know like quite a few like research essays on like combining my two um fields of history and economics I've done like uh, quite a lot of um, like research projects on like economic history, that sort of stuff. Um, and I basically just talk about like some of them, like shorter, like, like research projects i had done at uni, which were mostly just glorified assignments. um, yeah. that was my application process. And then like, once I actually like moved to Canberra and started a grad program, I realized like almost all, all the grads that were in my cohort have like honors masters. And there was one guy with a PhD. Um, and then most of the um, people I was working with in my team all had honors, masters. Um, and like, I remember very clearly my very first day, um, like I met my buddy, my grad buddy, who was like someone who had just finished a grad program. Um, and he was introducing himself to me. He was like, yeah, like, you know, I did my undergrad at Cambridge um, and then like volunteered for a year in like Kenya and then did my master's at Cambridge and then worked at the UN for a year and now I'm at Treasury. And then he turns to me and goes, So what did you do your masters in? And then I just, <laughs> and I, I just started laughing. <laughs> Why drinking, And I and I realized, oh wait, no, you're serious. Like you actually asked me about my masters. Oh I don't have masters. And we like, go, oh sorry. Like, what did you do your honors in? And I was like, Well, I I just I just have one, a three-year bachelor's degree. I'm not that fancy. And then yeah. I go, Oh no, I'm so sorry. But yeah, like it's it's funny because like working at Treasury, you're surrounded by a lot of people who you know are very, very educated, um, and have all those fancy degrees, some of them, some have, like five, six degrees, um, and like and and Trophy, like they really, um, they really value that. Like they provide a lot of financial assistance and like, um, mm-hmm. and, like they really encourage you to like go study, um, and like do research, um, and like they have like fully funded like PhD programs, which is, uh, I think like it's really good, but definitely as someone like joining treasury with none of those things. And someone who still has none of those things. Um, a lot of times, like, you know, you'll be like in a, in a work meeting and people just bring up, Oh, like, you know, in my master's research, I researched this and therefore this is all we should do. I and I would just be like, according to other people's research, we should do this. Um, well, <laughs> definitely. Like, you know, you, you, um, there's a lot of imposter syndrome um, and you know, I still do have imposter syndrome. Um, and I think that's just something you just got a lot to deal with. And like, another thing is to just remember, you know, I did the same application process that all of those guys did um, yeah. and those guys got in, I got in. So they must have yeah. like, I think through the interview or through um, the other like application process that made them think, okay, like, you know, this person, even though they don't have the, um, as high um, qualifications that the other, as the other applicants, you know, there, there must be something there that they've seen. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just something that's um, really important to keep in mind because otherwise every day you're just going to be thinking, oh my gosh, I can't speak up in a meeting because I don't have an honest degree or something. So yeah, mm. that's not very helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really interesting that you mentioned that. I have a friend who says it pretty much identical to how you say it, which is just like every single time. I don't even like explicitly say like use the phrase imposter syndrome, but he can tell I mean it when like I talk about um people around me like whether it be colleagues or whatever it is and I just say these people are ridiculously qualified and he's just like yeah but like if you got hired and they also got hired like you both got hired for a reason and just because yeah. they have a master's or just because they went to Oxford or whatever does not mean that they're more qualified for the job than you um yeah. and I think um yeah I think it also teaches us to see a little bit past just what you think about when you see someone's qualification as well because the qualification's not everything um and um, you know, I think you're a perfect example of that where, you know, you are doing an amazing job um, with, with, you know, a, a three years bachelor's degree. Um, so let me, and I do actually want to talk about your plans to study in the future later, mm-hmm. but uh, let's continue talking about your work. So um, what, what work do you actually do at the treasury? I understand that you are in a grad program, so I'm, I'm guessing that you do have rotations. Um, what, what does a day-to-day look like for you? Like what's the balance between analysis and I was going to say client work, I imagine you guys, <laughs> but, uh, you know, do you interface with anyone outside of your office? Um, is it at the desk? Do you work from home? Everything like that.
1: Yeah. Um, so we do have rotations. Treasury actually has the longest rotation out of all the public service department, <laughs> I think our rotations of one year. Um, so last, so I just finished my first rotation. My first rotation was in uh, budget policy. Um, and I mean, we not help. Well, I work in budget policy. They're like, oh, doesn't all of Treasury work on budget policy? Because they just think Treasury's only job is delivering the budget. Because now they do a lot more than that. Uh, but yeah, my first yes. first rotation was in budget, Um, and then now I've just started my second rotation, which is in monetary policy. Which a lot of people don't know that Treasury does, and even I don't know that they did monetary policy like going. Well, well the entire of of, yeah, I think there's like three thousand people who work at Treasury. There's five people who work on monetary policy, and that's me and my. Thing. Um, Right. yeah, in terms of like every day-to-day, day-to-day work, um, it's, it's very different depending on what team you're in. So in my previous team budget, um, it's very different depending on if it's, in the lead up to a budget or budget update or like other times, because in a lead up to a budget update, like you're going to be working like sometimes, like, um, basically like investment banking hours, trying to get the budget done. Um, and at the moment... The budget no. is delivered on that sick uh, on that second Tuesday of May. Like, you know, everyone goes on holiday, and then the end the <laughs> office is completely empty. They're um, you know, like during like the budget production process. Um, if you're working on a budget, like you know, you get into the office, but um, everyone works from the office. Um, you're working on the budget. Um, and then yeah, it's it's like very full on. Um, and you don't like really get much of a break until the budget is over, and then. Um, during periods where like, there's no budget update going on, um, most of the time your work you know, is like improving like the processes and making sure that the next budget will work very So it's kind of like preparing for the next budget. Um, mm-hmm. and then now in my current role, it's very different because, um, like my current team is a monetary policy team and we don't really do much with budget at all. Uh, we get like maybe like three clients in the budget talking about how like the monetary policy is health and fiscal policy is that sort of thing. Oh, uh, well, we don't really work with budget. Um, and then for like my current team, everything is a lot more like it's a lot, a lot more consistent. It's not like during budget where, um, you know, you're either working like 16 hour days or like three hours a day. Um, mm-hmm. So like right now in my current role, it's very like um, much more long-term focus and looking at like research projects um, and like researching things on like monetary policy and how it impacts like households and businesses and that sort of stuff. Um, so, um, it's, well, the work is generally a lot more long-term, but also like, it's funny you mentioned client work because technically we don't have clients or like we don't call them clients. Our, we only have one client and it's the government. Um, mm-hmm. whereas, like, our, so technically we do do client work, but we just say like, you know, the treasurer's office wants this. Um, so that's, that would be some of the things that would more... Be like similar to client work in the private sector okay. um, and then yeah in terms of like working from the office versus working from home um, if you're working on the budget you're definitely going to be working from the office and everyone is in Canberra. Um, in my current team my whole team is in Sydney except for me because I'm in the because it's a monetary policy team and they work very closely with the RBA so all of them are in Sydney um except for me and then because you know my whole team is like interstate anyway, and I'm always virtual for them. It doesn't really make a difference whether or not I'm in the office or, or I'm at work from home. So a lot of time uh-huh. I just work. Yeah.
0: Um, so you studied economics at uni. How does that differ from what you do on a day to day? You know, uh-huh. economics at uni probably was reasonably theoretical, which is probably why a lot of people like or don't like it. So what did you think about that?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, like my first rotation, and I think my first rotation was almost like, um, bo- like borderline public sector accounting, um, because I went into it thinking like, oh, like the basic economic terms, like you know, GDP, CPI, WPI, that sort of stuff, and then I go into my first rotation on budget, and they're talking about things like underlying cash balance, and I was like, I've never heard of that term in my life before, um, yeah. and like, um, yeah, apparently it's like accounting term. I've never studied accounting at uni. Um but like yeah, going to like that first rotation, like it was like um quite interesting to see like what are the other um different like measurements or or metrics of like a government um like economic health um aside from the things that we learn in lectures like GDP and CPI. Um and then so that was like what I got on my first rotation and then in my second rotation, which is a lot more like I guess like um, it's a lot more similar to the sort of things you expect to learn from like university economics um, because monetary policy can be very theoretical and especially the work that we're doing is very theoretical. But even then, like a lot of the things you um, work on are things like questioning the things that you learn in uni economics and thinking like, you know, there's uni economics and then there's real life economics. Like they're not all the same. And what exactly like is different? For example, like think like 2% G up uh, 2% um inflation. Like that's something that you learn in like, you know, very basic first year macro nodes. Inflation should be two to three percent. Um and that's just something that gets like hammered into you also about mm-hmm. your unique degree. And they don't really say like, oh, why is it actually two to three percent? Um and like like actually working on trade policy, like you realize, oh like it was like it was a number that grew New Zealand central bank like randomly decided on like one day during a press conference because they didn't they didn't think of the number beforehand like they just randomly landed on that number and then all the central banks around the world just decided to follow that so it's like it's a really interesting thing um like, like seeing the things the theoretical things that you learn from the economics and that but like you take them as fact you take them as like yeah everyone agrees on this and then realizing mm. oh actually people fight over this like in actual policy making
0: yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's really cool that you mentioned it. It's good to see. I think as in like a non as a person not working in economics, it's really easy to think that what we learn at uni is useless. But it's good to see that actually is applied um somewhere at least. Um, yeah. So what about uh when we talk about it's you, I think it's really interesting when you mentioned for example that policy, uh, you, you didn't like for example working in parliament because there was too much basically like. Uh, I don't know if you call it bureaucracy, but there was definitely too much um, yeah, no red tape getting in the way of like you implementing policy that you thought was good or your, your team at least. Um, how do you think that reflects in your job right now? Because obviously you guys advise the government, but you know they they stand in the way of uh, any policy being implemented that you you kind of uh, or any advice that you want to give. Do you think that problem still exists for you guys, or do you think you are creating a still a very direct impact for the people?
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, the, there's definitely still a very big sense of bureaucracy um, in the public service. Um, and it's, I mean, it's something that the public service like realizes and it's something that they're working really hard to, I guess, improve on, which is why like, uh, I think they're hiring like more and more graduates because like, you know, graduates are young. They come into the workforce without much experience in like more bureaucratic um, like ways of working. So then like they have all these ideas on like how to change things, uh, how to change things up. Uh, but yeah, definitely, because in policy making, treasury, um, like technically, none of the public servants themselves actually do much in terms of creating and oh, yeah, like creating policy from scratch. Because the policy comes mm. from the government, um, and whichever government yeah. is in power, they will be the ones who determine, like you know, we want to implement the policy. Um, and then Treasury, as the economic advisor, will be the ones to set the end state. We think this is a good idea, or we don't think this is a good idea, or we think this could work, but you should change like an aspect of the policy or something. So, mm. still, it's still policy making, but in like, I guess, in a slightly more indirect way than I think what people outside the public service might think. Like, we don't just sit around going, Yes, we're going to pass this legislation. Um, yeah. How to say that. Um, so there's, yeah, there's definitely still like red taping to get around, um, and like some policy, for example, um, like, uh, when the liberal government was in power, then, um, like treasury had like quite a small team on housing policy and on climate and environment policy. Um, and the, the, the election, when the labor government was in power, um, our housing, um, policy unit went from a... A small unit of maybe around like ten people to now a whole division of all, like i think like thirty to forty people um and like same with climate um climate and like environment as well um we recently um made an entire branch for like um uh, for like climate and like emissions modeling in so <laughs> it really still does depend on like the government that is in power um but at the same time, you know you are the economic advisor and like this one thing that they keep repeating in public service is that we're supposed to give like Frank and Steelers advice. So you should never be like, oh, like the gov like the government isn't gonna like this, so we're not gonna tell them this. Like you should always mm. be the one to you know, um like at the end of the day, the public service is supposed to be apolitical, so you're supposed to give um like the same level of advice regardless of which uh whichever party um is in government.
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's good to hear and I think that regardless I, I think you make a really good point, which is that regardless of like who's in power, your job is still to do like the same thing, which is to like basically like look into a policy area and give like unbiased advice on it, um, which it sounds like you guys do really well. Cool. Um, let's move on to the final section because um, we've been talking for a while already. Um, I'm really curious. So you mentioned, you know, different areas, like you, you, you mentioned history, you mentioned wanting to be a teacher, you mentioned uh, working in marketing. Do you think that you know in the future you would ever work in a field that's not government related um and if you did if you do like do you think the skills that you've learned are transferable because they seem very specialized especially a lot of the thing you talked about right you're talking about monetary policy it's really specific to a really narrow part of policy um yeah
1: yeah um, I do think I, I did actually like i mean I don't have well thought out plans um but mm. to me I've always um like been quite sure that i will not stay in economics forever um uh, mm. so like my very not well thought out plans is that um uh, i want to keep working in like economics economic policy for maybe like um like 10 15 or so years but like <laughs> um yeah i know very well thought out um my my end goal is that i do want to end up like going back into um like my history roots um and actually one thing that I'm really interested in is um and like this actually do tie quite closely with like what, what I was working on in front of like budget and like um government spending, which is um like my like I'm really interested in um exactly like how and how much and like why should the government fund um like um things in the art and like culture sector. So for example yeah. Um, things like, like, should the government fund, um, like, um, archaeological excavations, should the government fund, um, like, like museums that can't really survive on a commercial basis, that sort of stuff. Um, and, like, I think, like, eventually I want to, like, sort of, like, pivot into that area. So looking, like, at um, economic policy of, like, the arts and culture sector and then, um, like, um maybe like eventually like if it um like very very eventually like go back to a museum and work in a museum because that's something that I just really enjoy um and you know it's not a it's it's not a like a prestigious or like well-paying job but um it's something which I think will you know make me very happy uh working that
0: I love that I absolutely love that and yeah I think that like yeah. I think it, w- one thing that I get from like a lot of these conversations is that like it is really important to try to learn a lot and do something that's really meaningful in the early stage of your career. But I think that people find that, you know, after they do that, they are able to do it even better when they eventually arrive at something they really want to devote their entire career to, which in your case, you know, has been pretty clear from the start. I can't lie. Um, yeah, and so when you talk to um so like when you talk about your plans for the future, say you want to stay in the public service for a while, I'd imagine that you kind of want to go back and do some study at uni. Do you, so yeah, look, what are your plans there? And also do you think you need that to do your job well, especially when you say that half the people around you are from, you know, Oxbridge, you know, Ivy Leagues and yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely do have plans to go back to uni. Um, like not very well thought out plans again, but um, I like currently I was thinking like like next year or the year after. Um, I'll probably do like masters in like um a and u. Um, and yeah, like I don't think it's absolutely like crucial to have um honors or masters to be wow. able to do like work well as um, um an economic analyst. Um, analyst at uh, like treasury uh, but i do think it's very helpful um, to be able to understand like the like not just the concepts but to understand i think like um uh well like what i assume that, um like you're learning like honors and masters is that you'll you know do a lot more like independent research and um like you know have more of your own opinion on a lot of economic um mm-hmm. like concepts which you know you don't really get the chance to do when you're an undergrad Um, And I think that is really what's important to be able to like, you know, have your own opinions on economic policy. Um, And that is ultimately what's really important to, you know, being an economic advisor for the government. Um, And I think like it's definitely going to be very um, helpful to have a master's um, when you're working in this sort of field. Um, And I mean, that's one thing. The other thing is I just really like, like, I find economics to be actually, like, very interesting, like, um, despite, you know, hating it back in year 10, <laughs> from, you know, from, like, studying economics in yeah. uni and then, like, now working in it and seeing, seeing the differences and the similarities and then also, like, you know, being surrounded by a lot of, like, very intellectual people who are all very, very into economics um, and, you know, are absolute economic nerds. Um, it's, <laughs> like... Definitely, really, definitely also made me like um you know really interested in learning more and so like part of it is you know i want to learn it so that i want to go to uni to do a master's in econ so that i could further my career but then also part of it is just i find it something very interesting and mm-hmm. i want to go by uni and like study it more in a more like academically rigorous way than would have had the exposure to um as an undergrad um so-, so yeah like part of it's for work part of it's just you know for myself
0: yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think you, I think you make like two really amazing points because I think the conversation is completely different when you talk to, for example, someone who's thinking about doing the MBA, for example, I think that's a completely different conversation. Uh, and I think, um, well, it's not completely different. I think it's largely focused around the first poem, which you mentioned, which is around work. But I think something that you, you spoke about was really interesting is that especially a lot of these more research focused, uh, master's programs, You say like the ability to form your own opinion. Now, it sounds like you've kind of gathered that skill quite well yourself, even without doing masters or an honors, but I think that's a really awesome point. Um, And as to your second point, yeah, learning something you're really interested about, again, the, you know, in general, I think like masters of like, uh, like business and stuff like that, they tend to be more general and you tend to go there perhaps more for the people or more for just a break um, or even for the institution. But I think with your in your case, yeah, it's really really cool to hear that um, you know you want to further your knowledge in this space mm-hmm. because you're so passionate about it, and I think that's a really really awesome point. I think one thing I do want to ask about this is that you know you work, uh, you know, you majored in Echo and history, mm-hmm. and then and then you worked in policy, and now you're going back to study at Echo, right? One thing I'm really curious about is do you ever think that there, you know, when you talk about like more generalist fields, like for example, uh, let's consider, let's say you you mentioned investment banking. Investment banking, even though it is a very specialized field, you have people from reasonably different backgrounds. It's not every single person studying economics, right? Um, And so you tend to have some diversity across many different dimensions there. But in your case, right, especially from an academic perspective, you often have a lot of people who studied exactly the same thing um, and who have exactly the same kind of um, career ambitions and trajectories, right? Do you ever feel that there's a lack of thought diversity there? Um, Or do you still think that like, even though people come from the same backgrounds, they can still think very, very different things and bring uh, to the table a lot of different things?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's like you raised some really good point because I do think that it's a bit of an issue when um for example like energy economics um like there's you know a lot of really really um intellectual really really smart economists working on energy economics um in Australia. Um <laughs> and a lot of these people most of these people have background in economics um maybe finance very few of them have background in energy and mining and like that sort of area. Um, but it's, and I do think that's a bit concerning if, you know, everyone who works on this policy has very good economic knowledge, but not much knowledge in terms of like, well, how's this policy actually going to be applied and like executed, and implemented. Um, and I think yeah. that's really important. And I think like when you're um like, like generally, like when you're starting out, like, you know, as an economist, you probably, will be like close to quite a broad range um, of like economic policy that we'll be working on, you know, healthy policy, social policy, energy, climate, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think it is important um, as you like keep going your career to like, especially if you do want to focus on like policy making, you have to like be knowledgeable on the sort of policy that you're actually doing. And I think that's really important. Um, so for example, I want to eventually pivot into, um, economics of the arts and culture sector and mm-hmm. like, I think it would be really helpful, if, like my history background and my backgrounding, like working in museums and stuff would be really helpful. Um, and similarly, I think it would be very helpful. For example, yeah, um, if you work on energy economics that like you have a background, like, well, at least an understanding of how, like, you know, um, mining energy companies in Australia work, um, yeah and generally like um, like a lot of policymakers are like generalists um they, they know economics they don't really know the specific policy and i think that's really important um that people you know realize it is important to actually like specialize in something especially as you get like higher up in the public service um and yeah and also like another, another thing that you mentioned i'm um, just going to another point that you mentioned before as well in terms of like going back to economics um, to like study further i think like the like the academia side of economics is still very much like um like it's it's still like very unchanged from like um 10 20 years ago where Shut. you know like yeah there's not a lot of like new school in um in economics um, I went to a um, public lecture at ANU recently um, and I was sent there because work sent me there. Um, so like I wouldn't have found out about this lecture otherwise. And I went into the lecture hall and I just remember thinking like, wow, I'm in the wrong lecture because like all around me, <laughs> I see men in their 50s. Um, there was maybe like one person who was slightly out of that demographic. Um, and the lecturer, um, I mean, the lecturer was um, like an economic uh, professor from Oxford like going to this lecture like it's definitely confronting thinking wow well, like these are the demographics of people who are making policy um and you can't really make really good policy if everyone who are making the policy comes from like one specific demographic you know like either whether it is you know like age or gender or like cultural background or the sort of like um like degree that you studied at uni so we definitely do need that like, um, diversity regardless of, you know, whether it's like your personal background or your like education background.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really, really interesting take. And I think, yeah, I think the way that you categorize it's perfect, right? Like it's not just, you know, personal diversity, also not just academic diversity. I don't think, uh, and I think that, you know, I think we're making developments, you know, uh, like even nowadays, I mean, I studied economics, and I think that it's definitely a lot different to what it was, I don't know, 30 years ago, where um, it was definitely considered like. I, don't know, I think that I think that that the industry is changing, but again, you, you work in the industry, so you probably know a bit better than me. Uh, I'll, I'll finish up with one last question. Um, what one tip would you have? And I think you've given a lot of really good ones today, so it's gonna be hard. But what one tip would you have for kind of a current uni student who's you know may may or may not know what they want to do? Um, but is looking to kind of pick their first role outside of university.
1: Yeah, I think, um, like it, it's, it's quite cliche to say like, oh, you know, like think about what you're passionate about and like pick what you know awesome. think you will enjoy. Um, <laughs> and I, that is a sentiment that I 100% agree with. Don't pick a job just for the prestige or, um, or like for the money, um, because it's not going to be sustainable in the long run. Um, I think like um like my my best tip would be to like I mean like I, I I've said like before like how like um it's important to keep an open mind I think um it's important to pick um something which you think will give you opportunities to like really develop um regardless of you know like pay or um like prestige or that sort of stuff um like it could be a really prestigious role, and it could be a um a prestigious role that you are passionate about. But if it's a role that doesn't really give you that much um development opportunities, like you're gonna be stuck in that role, um and you won't be able to like have much like room to like move or like um grow as a person, both like you know in your professional career and also just personally as well. Um, so I think like that's really important. Um, and then also it's also really important to think like what sort of people you will be working with. I think as well because. Um, like for example, working at Treasury, um, like I'm surrounded by people who are like very intellectual, very passionate about economics. Like these are people who I went to an Ed Sheeran concert recently, were on, <laughs> at the Ed Sheeran concert. Pretty um pretty like, and, I mean it's a bit of an extreme example, but I really liked, you know, like being around this group of people who, you know, can like, like push me to be a better version of myself. And I think that's a that's an important consideration as well to think like what sort of people Will be your co workers. Um, and like, is that an environment that you can see yourself being in for like at least like the third, like two to three years of your
0: career? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Excellent example. Excellent example. I think everyone listening will be a little bit more deterred from wanting to enter economics. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for your time. This has been a really awesome chat. I think we've all learned a lot, um, especially from uh, what I think is probably a little bit like underexposed industry in public service. So um, yeah, we're really lucky to speak to you today and really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, all good. Thanks for having me, Sutter.
0: And that puts an end to our episode thanks so much for listening. A reminder to subscribe to our socials and share this podcast around if you found it helpful, so we can help transform the graduate job hunt of as many students as possible. In the meantime, I'm sure you'll find it helpful to browse through our resources available on wherewithsep.com. I'll see you in the next episode.